to the Green and Gold Rugby Show for another week. The show that's getting you over the game line on the hottest topics of Australian rugby. It's me, Rabbi Reg, back again, and joining me as usual is Matt Rowley. How are you going, Matt? Mate, I'm, I'm bloody good. How are you? Oh, pretty bloody well as well after a, a tough week in bed last week. I don't like to say a tough week in bed, but it was, uh, it was a pretty horrendous week on the, uh, on the deathbed, as you said, mate. Yeah. Um, let's bring in Hugh Cavill. Hugh, you're with us too. How are you going, Hugh? Yeah, good bit weird not having the Wallabies on, but I uh, got to catch up with a bit of NRC rugby. And, geez, there, there were some great games on the weekend, Reg. I don't know if uh, on, on, on the deathbed you got to, uh, got to see many, but uh, it was uh, a great weekend of footy. I, got, I timed it well. I got well enough to get to the uh, Brisbane game on, uh, on Sunday, but I got to watch most of them from my bed. It was, it was fantastic. I, I genuinely think that New South Wales Eagles versus Perth Spirit game was one of the best games of rugby I've seen this year, if not for a couple of years. The skills on show were delightful. So anyway, we're coming, from, uh, coming to you again uh, on either our regular podcast stream uh, via our website, Green and Gold Rugby, or as part of the Eon Sports Digital Radio Network. And we're thrilled to have you with us. Of course, you can jump on the website at com for all the stories, latest news in Australian rugby and all our old podcasts. Guys, I'm not sure how closely you've been following this, but obviously was uh, one of the big presidential debates over in the States today, uh, Trump versus Clinton, um, which was quite remarkable scenes. Uh, but uh, one thing that's ever-present, whenever Donald Trump's involved with these bloody lies, these huge lies that he's been called out for another time. So I want to ask you the question, Matt, and then Hugh, the biggest lie in Australian rugby that you've, that you've heard, mate? <laughs> well, um, I, I think it's going to be a Trumpism that's going to happen. It's going to come through from the ARU probably within a, a year or two, which is going to be about the, we never said we needed to have a national footprint. Um, <laughs> I, I think it'll be like, whoever said that, um, as we see the, you know, probably the force... Um, uh, disappear, and I know. Oh, mate, this is us being back to our, our East Coast elitists, isn't it? Um, but there, there's a forecast for you. But yeah, it'll be it'll be like whoever said we needed a national footprint. Obviously, we need to, to uh, focus in on our heartlands and, and protect the base. That's that's the Trumpism I see coming. We're going to build a big wall down that east coast of Australia, aren't we? Just, just on the other side of the Great Dividing Range, just to shore all things up there. Indeed. <laughs> What about you, Hugh? The big Trumpism, what's our Trump? I don't know, you go, around. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think, this was, this, <laughs> this one's kind of caught me a little bit on the hop, life in Australia, right? You know, Matt, um, you know, I would kind of believe that, especially in the, our administration, everyone's pretty honest, you know, it's it's a very, uh, very upfront and everyone's doing a very good job, so, uh, as, I, I, I don't know, uh, um, you, you can't go past you can't go past these uh, global searches for coaches. That's a pretty significant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Isn't it? Actually, I would say the um the the, the classic sports like uh, nonetheless true of Australian rugby is as soon as we hear that um that Michael Checker has the full support of the board, um, <laughs> full support of Australian rugby. Um, I think I think we're, we're, we're that, that's always a great one. I like that one. Yeah, okay, that is a good one. Look, we have got a, a great show tonight. Hopefully, uh, uh, we'll cut to the chase, a bit more uh, uh, factual stuff here tonight. And we have uh, our five burning questions as per usual tonight. But but helping us answer them uh, is a very, very special guest. Joining us now is going to be Jeremy Paul. Now, you'll all know Jeremy as the former Brumby and Wallaby hooker. He won Super Rugby titles and World Cups. Uh, but Jeremy's also now the assistant coach of the Western Sydney Rams, who managed to pull off their first win of the season on the weekend in a pretty mild mind-blowing game at Concord Oval. All right, thanks for joining us, Jeremy. Uh, first question, have you recovered from the big game on the weekend, mate? There's an amazing finish. Ah, mate, look, it brought back a lot of memories in regards to the scrummaging side of things. Wasn't that a great <laughs> way to finish a game of 48? 15 million scrums for the boys, but um, no, look, I was really proud of the effort in terms of where we've come from, um, you know, we, we, we are a group of battlers. We're, we're all amateur players. I mean, we have Will Stilton, who's, who's an obviously a, a contracted and Wallaby player, but our other only contracted player, Sinio, is he's basically a reserve reserve. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his last name to <laughs> tell it to you. Um, but, and we had Hugh Roach, who uh, unfortunately got ruled out of the competition due to injury with turf toes. So... Um, you know, we, we are a team full of amateur players from the Shoot Shield and um, their, their training base isn't there. You can see a distinctive difference in class in terms of super rugby players and their training base allows them to be able to 
react a lot better, um, their, their fitness, their body shapes. Um, but I'm, look, I'm really proud of, of where the side has got to and where we can get to if we get an opportunity to develop these guys longer. But uh, to get that win, I tell you, after losing three games by six points, uh, where we probably should have won one or two of those, uh, very, very satisfying. Yeah, and full credit to you, mate. Now, we'll, we'll talk specifically about uh, rugby over in the West soon. But, uh, mate, I, I was one of the critics who wrote you guys off at the start of the season. And having a look at your squad, I didn't recognise many names. But I've been blown away by that team. And I know this is only your first win. But, gee, they've looked good this season. So, despite you guys beating a Queensland team, I, I was pretty happy for you guys to get that result on the weekend. It was uh, well-deserved. And hopefully the players enjoyed it. Oh, mate, it was. Look, it was something that... Um you know, for us playing, I, I got to catch up with Todd Okefe the night before for dinner and obviously knowing the bloke for over 22 yep. years of my life. Um, it was the battle of the wooden spooners and, um, you know, it, it shows though this competition and, and how valuable this competition is in terms of the development of rugby, but not only for our contracted players who don't get much super rugby time but and also the players that aren't involved with the Wallabies, but more importantly, those guys coming through our club systems and when you look at all the players that are currently contracted in all five franchises, 87% of those players come from Shoot Shield and the Brisbane Comp. These two competitions are our major pool of players playing in five Super Rugby sides and we've seen now what has happened in regards to the aggression of rugby over the last five to ten years in terms of those two competitions. No money has been put into these comps simply because, unfortunately, the harsh reality is we're broke. Um, and we've, we've now got to a situation where you look at a side like the All Blacks, and yes, we all know how magnificent they are, but it's their depth in regards to the position. They've got four or five players deep in their positions, and then you watch the Mitre 10 Cup and the, and the talent that is coming through. We want to emulate this same competition, and, and I think... This is one thing that has notoriously been wrong with Australian rugby and even back in my playing days and being a part of the Rupert Executive Board for, for five years is we don't have any collaboration between the states in terms of um, how we're going to play with the all-black system. We see everything coming from the top down through to the bottom. I mean, Michael Checker as a coach should be saying, these are the fundamentals I want you guys to play. I want to see these players. Even when meet, meeting with, with regards to the Waratahs and, and talking about the distribution of players, we, we actually felt we thought we were going to get an even distribution of players. But the franchises aren't owned by New South Wales Rugby, whereas in yeah. Queensland they are. So mm. therefore, you have that distinct difference already in terms of who is controlling the players. Um, and and there's, no, there's no collaboration with regards to how um, everyone should be playing and you know, I just look at it and we're completely a mess, boys. Like, we really are. And, and if we want to compete at the highest level, there definitely needs to be a lot more consistency through how we develop our players and how we develop our talent. Um, and that was something that John Muggleton and myself, uh, when we first came together and then we brought John Wilson on in terms of the backs coach. But, you know, we, we know and we've been a part of Australian rugby for 20 years now. We've seen the highs and lows of of where this, this amazing sport can get to, particularly in this country where we're fighting in one of the toughest playing arenas in the world. With our diversity of sports in Australia, it, it, it is really tough. And so, you know, we've got to go back. And I understand where the Australian Rugby Union are in terms of the top end, and that's where the sponsorship dollars come in to be able to fund this. But at the end of the day, we've got to bite the bullet here and go, well, we're not bringing any talent through. So we have to nurture it our club competitions and make sure they're strong. We have to get players back playing in those comps and then we have to strengthen the NRC. We have to make sure that this competition goes for longer and it is also at a period of time where super rugby teams can actually use players. Like, I don't see the point. It's quite fruitless having this competition at the end of super rugby. I do believe that we're getting some good results in terms of guys like Rory Arnold who came back and played really good footy for the Vikings, got picked back into the Wallaby side. That's one example. But we can use a lot of these players in the pre-sort of um, shoot shield and the Brisbane comp, start of these comps during Super Rugby. 
which allows then Super Rugby franchises to use these players. Because there is a lot of talent out there, boys, but they're not yep. being utilised in terms of their strength, conditioning, and as well as their skill base. All right, so Jeremy, you've, you've said a few things there, and it's fantastic stuff, but the, one of our big questions here is, what is the biggest challenge for the NRC moving forward? Well, the biggest challenge is to have that level playing field. Um, again, I think an even distribution of, of contracted players across the competition, which will allow far closer games. Uh, I love the law changes. It allows free open footy. Um, but it needs, it needs to be at a time of the year which allows players to be able to come up and back in terms of injuries for Super Rugby and also to give talented guys the opportunity of a bigger stage. They've got nowhere to go from here now. Um, and, and that's so, the biggest thing for the NRC to get better. So you think it should be running concurrently with the Super Rugby season? Absolutely. Yeah. And... In replace of club, or is club still going on underneath that, you reckon? No, look, I think we need to revamp the whole club situation as well. I think um, club footy now, when we talk about the amateur days, and, and I'm not saying to lose club rugby players, but I'm saying to strengthen the competition by having far fitter players playing at a far higher level, going back into a club competition, which will allow a better club competition. We're going about it the wrong way in terms of playing club, then going to NRC, yep. and then these players have nowhere to go. We should be playing this competition in conjunction with the NRC, so then players that aren't playing in their Super Rugby side can then go back and get and get valuable game time, which allows them then to be using their training skills. It strengthens a really good competition. Um, it also then allows our amateur players more amateur players to be playing in this NRC competition, um, which then which then will strengthen a club competition, um, and then we can actually create a training base. And I believe Australian rugby also too. All the, the, the states should be bringing club players through and training them in the off season, having at least a squad of fifty externally outside of the Waratahs and outside of the Queensland Reds, and then be training them because. Where the game has gone now, it's all about strength and conditioning first. If you, it does yep. not matter how talented you are, if you don't have a strength and conditioning base, you will not go any further in this, in this game. That's what professionalism does. Professionalism increases faster, fitter, stronger players. And then a knowledge absorption as well. By being at a higher intensity of training, you'll get a far better athlete, as well as you'll get a far better footballer who can actually understand and the core skill of players. Your halfback passing, your line-out throwers, your, your yep. goal kickers, uh, being able to pass left to right, right to left, spiral passes. None of this, none of this exists now currently, and and I've seen the level of, of shoot shield this year, and in comparison to previous years, I, I, I truly believe. Um, again, we've seen an, an uneven distribution of of clubs getting better in terms of, like, your Sydney Unis, and, and good on them. I mean, they've, they've been able to manufacture things off the field, which has allowed more money into their organisations, which has created a far better environment for players. And why wouldn't players want to go to clubs like this? Because they get not only developed in terms of their rugby, but off the field as well. And But for me to be able to have this competition, and, and rugby's always about organisation with regards to programming and with regards to times. I mean... You know, you've got European comps that you go over there and you play against the European sides, which is always in November. It's a disjointed year. There's no real off-season for the top sort of 25 to 30 players to be able to recruit their bodies. And so what we need is we need those good young players coming through. And I believe a really good off-season for NRC sides to where we we got more than three weeks to develop. I love, mate, I really appreciate that comment and that and that compliment with regards to um, where the NRC, where the Rams have gotten to. Can you imagine if we had these guys for an eight-week yeah, period? Absolutely, like, we would, yeah. like John and myself and Joel, we would have been able to develop these guys a hell of a lot better. And these guys would be ready in terms of, with the strength and conditioning base, starting them off in November, where we can get them into the gym, get them conditioned, get them understanding how to play, Talk to the, the, the franchises in terms of, okay, what do you, where, where do you want this player to play? Where do you see this player? You know, et cetera, combinations, et cetera, et cetera. So we're all heading towards the top. 
All right, mate, that's great. And you've talked about that broad spectrum. Let's let's nail it down a little bit. And you have touched the Rams. And our second question is about, I guess, rugby in the West, Western Sydney. Can rugby thrive in the West? And, and, and what needs to be done to help facilitate that? Well, first of all, they need a pathway. Um, I went out to, to Penrith and um, I really wanted to help. And I, I unfortunately won't be a part of that organisation next year because it's, it, rugby now is a business. Sport now is a business, even in the amateur world, and unfortunately the administration side of that organisation, I immersed myself in the Penrith business of commerce down there, in the business community, and unfortunately where that, where that organisation has gone to, it's been run 20 years ago. And right. from an administration side, you need a minimum of at least $200,000 to be able to run a shoot shield side and a successful Brisbane side as well. You need to be able to fund yourself. Funding can, you cannot rely on funding from the ARU or from New South Wales because there are sponsors out there. You create a pathway for these kids. And so what Rugby League has done exceptionally well, and you look at GWS now, who unfortunately missed out on the finals. It could have been an all-Sydney yep. grand final yep. this weekend for AFL. But look, Dimitri, uh, and a very good friend of mine, Bill Young, who five years ago got to sit down with Kevin Sheedy and, and, and the, the CEO of the AFL, Dimitri, and they, were, they pumped $112 million over five years into that, uh, into that team. And he actually stated back then five years ago, GWS will win a premiership within the next five to ten years because it's for the betterment of the game. Now, for us, for the betterment of our game, we don't have that sort of funding, but i tell you what, we create pathways out in the West where there is a lot of Polynesian and Island descent players. We have a high Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander contingent out there as well. And for us, we need to be able to give them pathways. What Rugby League does very, very smartly is at very young ages, they then change over at under-16s to where it's the same day. Up to that age, you can play Rugby Union and Rugby League. At yep. 16, when they know they, they've got that talent, they've got that sort of size and that body shape, they then change it to the same day. And why wouldn't you go to Rugby League? Because it's a way out from the social economic problems that they are out that they do face out in the West, and why wouldn't you push your kids towards the sport? And when you look at now the NRL, 40% of their players are Polynesian and Maldi and Island descent. 40% of their players. So where the, yeah, where the game is going, where the game is going, and have very huge populations out there of Tongans, Samoans, Fijians, Cook Islands, Maldives, you know, as I said, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islands, we're just not developing and giving them pathways in terms of that. I actually got a phone call from a franchise wanting to align themselves with Perth, uh, with, uh, with Penrith Junior, sorry, because they've seen the state under 12s or under 8s through to under 17s and saw the amount of talent that is out there in regards to Penrith. And they know to be able to get to that young talent, they need to align themselves with a club like Penrith. Now, unfortunately, the seniors, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. But if anything, boys, if I'm going to be coaching next year, I tell you, I'll be doing only NRC and I'll be doing the juniors. Put it that way. Because yeah, I need fantastic. to be able to help this team and we need to be able to nurture these, these kids through and create pathways. So the talent's still there, uh, Jeremy. We haven't lost it out there. That We haven't lost more to AFL or Rugby League just yet. There's still plenty of uh, talent coming through. We've just got to grab it. Oh, no, 100%, mate, because their bodies are conducive to playing our game. That's the beautiful yeah. thing about Rugby Union is is the, the difference in body shapes. And, and at the end of the day, when you look at Rugby League body shapes and AFL body shapes, they're all very similar to their codes. 1 to yep. 13 in rugby league, you pretty much can play any position from 1 to 13. AFL, you've just got to create those motors. And with the Polynesian and Maldi descent players, they're not conducive to long running boys, so they're not going to be yep. playing AFL, that's for sure, but they're very yep. powerful athletes. And <laughs> and what we see, too, yeah, exactly. And, you know, the nutrition side of things and being able to also um, teach them how to basically look turn these kids into little athletes, turn them into little Jason Tom Lomas. I mean, I just look at this guy and he's just an absolute wrecking ball and I just believe, you know, with the right sort of education in terms of, of nutrition and training base, oh, no, look, that, that place can be an absolute factory for... Uh, and that in Parramatta as well. We've seen yep. a massive change in the Parramatta 2 Blues as well. I believe... 
decide. And this is what we did with the NRC, with the Rams as well. When all the players we brought in, they all got to play for the catchment next year. So we're trying to strengthen up our catchment in terms of West Harbour, uh, Southern Districts, and, and also Parramatta, unfortunately. Penrith are no longer in the catchment, and and so you know I'll be I'll be personally myself and John um, will be looking to help strengthen those those clubs next year as well. All right, let's get back to the NRC, mate. And one of the criticisms that it cops sometimes from people perhaps who haven't had to seen it, they see some of these high scores, and this weekend was no. Uh, uh, it was just the same. A lot of high scores, 48-24. Uh, you know, your game, the Rams, 50, Queensland Country, 46. The, the rising 60, Canberra, 44. A lot of big scores, a lot of tries being scores. And I guess the question is, is their defence, is defence a focus of the NRC? I mean, as a coach, you've got John Muggleton there as, as coach alongside you. One of the legends of, of from a defensive element, what he did to Australian rugby. Is that remains a focus for NRC teams? Oh, absolutely, mate. I give it to John all the time about it. I go, mate, <laughs> we haven't been 40 points a game. Um, you know, this guy single-handedly changed rugby union in terms of defence. Back in 99, we had one try scored against us in the World Cup. Never be repeated again uh, because of what John did. But, look, the game is also... We're not just talking about defence. We're also talking about the change in rules, like also the yellow card side of things. Um, we see at least two to three tries being scored. Players... And you get that distinctive class as well in terms of players and their different um, ability levels in terms of being contracted. So, um, yeah, you're going to see high scores. And, that, and, and to, realistically as well, you want to play. You want to play footy. A lot of mistakes are made because the teams are wanting to play and they want to throw the ball around. So, therefore, you know, you, if you look statistically at the tries, though, a lot of them pretty much predominantly are all from turnovers. There's not a lot of tries created in terms of off first phase, um, you know, and a lot of this is, comes back to uh, the rules and, and, and also to how open the referees are making it. But uh, I think it's, it's more about the players wanting to play and making more mistakes than, than what you would do in Super Rugby because obviously in Super Rugby um, you're a lot more conscious about how you play footy and, and where you play footy whereas, and, and where, what parts of the field you're in. Whereas in, in, in the NRC... And mind you, in saying that, we don't actually want to play in our own half or our own 22, but for some yep. reason our players don't listen, as always. <laughs> um, but look, you know, from our point of view, we, we love the way that, that the NRC is showing um, that players want to play. But, yeah, it is a bit concerning, though, in terms of the high scores. Yeah, I, I, it, it, is, it is a bit confusing in terms of... Because rugby now is not just about attack, it's about defence as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Look, Jeremy, we really appreciate appreciate your time. We've got to let you go. Um, good luck on the weekend. You've got the rising on the weekend. It's going to be a, a whoring little challenge match, so the Rams actually have a chance of winning a bit of silverware this weekend. Were you aware of that? Mate, I was. I, um, I did see that, um, that the Melbourne Rising took it off uh, the Canberra Vikings. So, mate, look, we're, we're going down there to have a real crack at these guys and uh, look to have the opportunity of playing against, you know, sort of 15 contracted players yep. against our Aussie battlers, battlers from the West. Uh, mate, we're, we're pumped for this and look to have a bit of confidence coming off the back of that win against Queensland Country. No, no, we, we, we're definitely going to um, have a crack at these boys. We're excited. We're yeah, yeah, good stuff. And just finally, mate, uh, the Wallabies play Pretoria this weekend. It's a tough place to play. You've played there. Uh, do you reckon they can do it? Mate, it's a horrible place to play footy, mate. <laughs> you jump in the TARDIS and you go back 20 years. Um, <laughs> look, it's, look, it is altitude, the whole lot. Look, we, we are a chance. I think consistent, like we've, we've showed a bit of consistency over the last two games, but just probably more our physicality and the contact side of things. Um, we saw against South Africa when we beat them um, a couple of weeks ago was it was the first time we actually had ball runners running past the advantage line. It's that quick ruck ball to that slow ruck ball in terms of allowing defences to get set. And what we saw, and then you're overcommitting at breakdowns and leaving you under in, you know, sort of the second to third phases. And what, what we saw, um, you know, in the last two games anyway, is we've been able to reignite our fast, quick ruck ball. And, and that's really important this, in this game. And, and we've taken better options. I think Quade Cooper now is settling into that role at 10. And I like Bernard Foley at 12. I think he's 
know, adds a, a good dimension in terms of having two ball players. So, you know, I, I think we can have far more tactical kicking options, um, particularly for territory. But look, I, I, and we are down some finishes out wide. So, you know, I, I, no, look, I think, and, and look, at the end of the day, boys, we should just be throwing the ball to Israel Flower. Just get him the ball. <laughs> like, I, seriously, just get him the ball as much as possible, and just whether because he'll always track two to three defenders. So whether or not he's used as a deep ball or whatever, just um, and our set piece, mate. Obviously, our set piece has improved out of sight in the last two games. So we need good quality ball from our set piece. Excellent, Jeremy. Look, really appreciate your time. We know you're a busy man, but uh, great insight on the game uh, broadly across the nation, the NRC itself, and obviously out there in Western Sydney too. So best of luck with the rest of the season, mate, and we'll uh, we'll chat to you again soon, hey? Oh, that was brilliant from Jeremy. Matt Hugh, did you enjoy that? I did. Did he take a breath? Um, no. I'm, 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 a, I'm a bit worried while he was driving there that he was going to you know, suffocate or run out of oxygen. Um, that was my easiest interview ever. I didn't have to do too much on that one. <laughs> the difficulty was getting the questions in, mate. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I had to put them in after he answered them. <laughs> well... The interesting one, and I, I think this might be a... He dropped a man got rugby exclusive here, Reg. I don't know if you... That, that he's not coaching Penrith anymore. Obviously, been a bit of a bust-up behind the scenes with the Penrith club and kind of links up with what I've heard about the way that club's run. And as much as the, there, there are tragic results you know, on the field and they've always struggled in Western Sydney and, and, and people put that at the feet of, you know, um, ARU, New South Wales Rugby Union. But from what I've heard, the, the primary... The primary uh, fault is actually with the club itself and the way it's run. And and, and Jeremy's um Jeremy's little um incident there, to, or what he said or just before to you, seems to suggest that that's um yeah that all's all's not well out there, and he's not going to be there next year, which is a shame. Well, he's not. Well, you know who is going to be there is Julian Huxley. So um, ah. Jules, who is assistant coach of the Sydney Rays, the high flying Sydney Rays, is uh, heading out to Penrith next year. So. Um, there's some quality talent there for him. I know Huxley's got uh, high coaching ambitions, but yeah, by the sound of what JP's saying there, he's got uh, a hell of a lot uh, ahead of him. Um, but yeah, that was fantastic by Paul. The concept of re- removing the, the NRC to the Super Rugby season, there's a lot there to digest and uh, look forward to hearing your comments uh, on the uh, blog post or at Twitter at GAGR for those who want to get involved in the conversation there. Look, we've got two more burning questions after that which will be simply that the uh, the Super Rugby draw for 2017 was released. Uh, there's talk of further expansion in the future. So the question is, has Sansa lost the plot? Um, so that's question four. Question five is the Wallabies in Pretoria. Uh, what performance of the Wallabies will be key in securing us a win there this weekend? But before we get into that, Matt, um, what have we got? We got some, uh, any reviews? Well, we do, mate. And uh, I'm very glad every now and again uh, I go back and look at uh, the reviews from other countries on iTunes because they don't all come into the one place. And so I've gone and had a look at the ones from the UK. And here we've got one. As a fellow podcaster, this is my absolute favourite, is the title of this review. Oh. Um, and it's from our very own JB from the Egg Jason. Oh. So, uh, here he's written, want to know about rugby? Well, yes, obviously that's covered. But we also get to find out about wizards, foxes, and Matt's suspiciously <laughs> white teeth. <laughs> Great podcast whose knowledge I often pass on as my own. And that's from JB. So very, very Thanks, kind JB. of you. Foxes? When do we talk about foxes? Did I miss <laughs> that one? Is, yes, you may have. It's the Welcome to Countries, and it was one of the Welcome to Countries. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. That's right. Yeah, it was the casual racism um, that, that we had on our podcast. <laughs> which, which, which JB was the one who provided that. <laughs> so he's talking up his own contributions. It's not like Again, we were the ones. And <laughs> claiming it at his own. Yeah, exactly. Um, but anyway, yeah, always good to have JB on. I think we might have to have him back on at some stage, um, especially as we head back up north. Yeah, uh, absolutely. In, 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 in a little while. So yeah, good one. All right, we'll keep. Well, the... Surely they're all. Surely they're all counting down the days up there until Australia Argentina. I mean, who cares about <laughs> oh, whatever? Did you, did you listen to their latest <laughs> podcast? They did not know about it. They stumbled across it. They assumed it was for next year or something like that. They couldn't believe it's in two weeks' time. They hadn't seen any advertising or any promotion of the game. Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. So it's going to be empty. <laughs> yeah, scary stuff. Oh, look, guys, let's let's uh, jog on and get to question four. So, uh, Matt, has Sansa lost the plot? This whole debacle about structures and conferences and let alone the 217 drawer has been released and it's 
pretty much business as usual. Yeah, mate. Look, uh, I well, Reg, do you want to run through quickly before before you start? I think the comments just to give our listeners a bit of background um, about. I think it was Andy Mariner, the, the, the CEO, talking about potentially going into America. Was that right? Yep, yep. That was part of the option, and, and that's that's what they're talking about. They don't want to. They want to expand, not contract. That's where they see the solution being. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the, there was that. I mean, I, I think the other – because I think a lot of the feedback that, well, we'd certainly seen at a, I want to say, grassroots level, shall we say, but I think a, I think that was coming through from some of the unions like, uh, you know, New Zealand and I, I think there's been kind of whispers from Australia as well, been talking about things creaking at the seams a bit, um, was, you know, maybe moving it back to a, a more simplified um, solution um, where maybe, you know, we uh, lost a team out of Australia and maybe a team out of South Africa. But rather than doing that, they've, um, yeah, they're even talking about expanding it. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the US sounds like it's on the cards. And, look, it just seems to be getting ridiculous to me. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if we heard about them trying to expand into Europe soon um, because, surprise, surprise, that's where the money is. Um, it's, and the, the bit that seems to me to be a bit crazy about this is that, it's, I think this competition has kind of lost track of why it was ever there in the first place. Um, you know, when it was really strong, and I remember I, used, when I was living in the UK at the time when it started, and suddenly there was this fabled competition where, you know, it was the top, you know, whatever it was, you know, nine teams from the Southern Hemisphere, the real true provinces getting together. And because of the concentrated talent, it was almost like watching Test Match Rugby, but obviously there was more of it. So, you know, that worked really, really well. And, and now we're getting to a point where, you know, teams that are, you know, basically pretty hopeless, like the Southern Kings, um, for whatever reason, the Jaguars couldn't play this year. The Sunwolves are going to struggle for a long, lot longer to come yet. We've got at least one, maybe two teams, which are always going to be on the edge. And so you've got a lot of rugby in there that just, it isn't that level. Um, and I think because of that, and also because of it's got a fractured season, which maybe will change with um, if a global season comes in, but, you know, maybe not. Um, but it's just so disparate now. And not only that, we've got this conference system, which, again, they're saying we're going to stay with. And I know that they try and make the argument that, well, you know, the Americans can live with the conference system. Well, you know, they've had it for 40 years or whatever, or longer. Um, you, you know, we're trying to, you're trying to change from one situation to another. And I think that's what people are struggling with and are going to struggle with. And I don't look, I just, I just feel it's got so far away from what this thing was supposed to be that it's lost itself. And I'm not even sure that this expansion is getting to where it needs to be because from what I can tell of the AAU finances is that the extra money that's come through from European, you know, uh, from, uh, I think, British BT, basically, yep. um, financing it, um, is all just dissipating into making, in trying to keep afloat the super rugby teams that it's supposed to be benefiting, but, you know, it's ba- barely going to wash their bank, uh, their bank, uh, sorry, their balance sheets because they're just losing so much money because, you know, there aren't bums on seats um, and it's just not the same season anymore. So I'm not really sure if it's even solving those problems anyway. So I, I've, kind of, I've kind of lost what it's supposed to be doing. Isn't that the fascinating thing about this? What are we trying to achieve with this? I mean, you're exactly right there, Matt, is that people are disengaged with the sport at the moment, with these teams. I feel far more engaged with the NRC because I know where they are. I can see every game in the weekend. It's nicely packaged for us and it's there in this. You talk about the conference system in the States, but that's what's the time difference? Four and a half, five hours across the country there. We're talking games at midnight, you know, early in the morning. It's just, there's no continuity here. We don't know who we're playing each week, where they're playing, what time they're playing. Mm. Um, and, and that's why fans get disengaged, and that's why you get these empty seats. I was fascinated to see um, with the French rog- rugby um, that uh, there's real concerns over there. We think French rugby is going off its, you know, off its nut sort of thing at the moment. They're signing players, massive broadcast deal. Toulon, who have, you know, all these stars for the team, they're averaging 9,000 a game at the moment. I mean, I, I, that's just where I see this going. There's that disenfranchising with the with the actual punters on the ground who go through the game. But maybe that's the future. Maybe people don't go to these games anymore. It's just about broadcast rights. Hugh, what's your stance? Where do you, I mean, are we growing, growing, blowing this up grander than it is? Or no, you're not. You are. You're both very much on the money. I don't have too much to add. I think Matt actually. You know, for for yeah. the first time on this podcast, hit the nail on the head. <laughs> um, it's it was um, it's lost 
it's lost its essence. It's lost its reason for being. And it now seems to be so keen to chase money and just be this, this you know, um, cash cow in terms of TV rights and expanding that, you know, it, it, it left, left behind the reason it was so good in the first place, which was the fans and, the, and you know, the, the, um, the quality of the rugby on the field. It's it compromise. Um, look, it's it's just this. It's too it's too far. It's too far. It needs to contract. I, you know, it wasn't necessarily anti Argentina and Japan, it's, but no, let's let's do away with it. Let's go. Uh, and I, I, this is the first time I think I've kind of been of this view. But when it expands to a certain point, which and then they're looking to go further. Now, look, I'm I'm out. I, I'm honestly, let's go back to Super Twelve, Super Fourteen. Um, Let's, let's keep it tight. Let's keep that talent there. And for the on-field product, that was that's one of the reasons why the crowds have dropped across the board because you get these teams come to town, the games have no meaning anymore. You don't know who, you know, the, the general fan doesn't know who the um, the opposition team is coming in, where they're from, what their story is, what their style is. And the games are sort of, the season goes for too long. It's uh, You have meaningless games in there. And, and on TV, you know, what we have, seven, eight games of weekend. And of those, only two or three are really worth watching. And, you know, I, I watch the Force and the Rebels out of obligation to Australian rugby yeah. more than any sense of enjoyment of the games. I mean, most of them are, are pretty dire because the teams aren't that good. I mean, it's good that we're expanding our base professionally and it gives more people an opportunity to play rugby at the top level. But, you know, and there's, I don't want to get into arguing that the four should be wrapped up in that sort of stuff because I can see the argument on both sides. But, it, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like... It's at a tipping point now, and we're very coming very close to it where tough decisions need to be made. Hey, has anyone heard from the AU lately? I mean, I, in terms of in the press, I mean, I, you know, with the, the launch of the, the draw and even post-Olympic Sevens, I can't remember hearing anything from Pulver or any senior talk about where the is going and what's happening and so on. It all seems to be deathly quiet, even what's happening over the force. No, you're right, mate. Yeah, I- and, and I'm just going to say, just on that force, did you see the story that came out? There was well, there was two stories that came out of the force last week, um, which seemed to be in lieu of any stories coming out of the RU. You could be right about that one, Reg. Is um, yeah, one was Vessels, the, the the coach, saying that you know he wanted the ability to ba- basically borrow everybody else's players. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and and this is really back to that thing of the number of arguments that I've um, had with people on the uh, um, on the site. When I say arguments, you know, discussions, I should say, in in, uh, in threads, and where I've said, look, you know, because I, I remember talking back to uh, the original, uh, well, the the, the previous uh, force uh, CEO who then went on to be uh, CEO of uh, of the Waratahs, and w- where he was saying, you know. Um, Oh, sorry, uh, Greg. Greg Peters. Yep. Yeah. And, and and he was and he was talking about how look, not Greg Peters. Um, having a real mind blank about it. I'll be back. Yeah, we had him on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't. Looks right past podcasts. And um, but yeah, the last CEO of the of the Waratahs. Anyway, um, you know, he was saying, look, the biggest problem is trying to get players over to the force. You know, you just you just can't get them across there. And I I had people swearing blue on the on on the site that that's not the problem you know they're professional players they'll go you know they'll just go where the money is and whatever else and here we go here's vessels the coach saying our problem is we cannot get players across there um and i've no doubt because it's kind of like you know sort of dead dead man walking greg harris that's his name um i'm I'm no doubt because it's partly because it's maybe dead franchise walking that that's not going to help but you know, here's Vessels now, the coach, saying, can we just have your spare players? I'm not sure any of these super rugby franchises really have a lot of spare players sitting around, um, to be honest. And I, it, it's only one injury, or not even that. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, and, and you're in big trouble. And I think Nick Styles came out and kind of put him straight on that one. So there was that that came out of the force. But then the next one was was um, Cinderbury, the force CEO, saying his suggestion was that you would swap the Sunwolves with the force. Mm. So that the force mm. would go and play in the South African conference and the Sunwolves would play in the Australasian co- conference. But the bit I totally didn't get about that, and maybe one of you guys understand the reasoning behind this, is he said, so that at least the force would look like a going concern if that happened. How does that work? How does the force going and playing in the South African conference make them suddenly a going concern? 
there's it, it didn't say anything more than that in the article, and I but I really didn't get how these those numbers added up any better. I didn't pick that up at all, and I've got no idea how that isn't justified. I can't understand that statement at all. At all. And then well, I'm not to mention how are the Perth fans going to cope with instead of having the Reds and the Waratahs coming to town, having the Bulls and the Sharks? Like it that that just makes no sense from a crowd perspective. Yeah, because well, no one wants to watch South African rugby, not even no. the South Africans. <laughs> no, no, exactly. Um, so, but but this these two things to me are just symbolic of how what a sham this is starting to become, right? So you know you've got the CEO of the four saying, "I think we should an Australian team, theoretically an Australian conference to help develop our Australian players needs to go off and play in the South African conference because there's some sort of way that that's going to make it a going concern when we all know it's not." And never has been. Um, I don't know. I, th- I just think we've gone beyond the pale. Maybe, maybe Reg, the AOU has is decided that in this world of post-factual politics, um, they didn't need yet another person <laughs> out there just blubbering incoherent. Yes, exactly uh, right. Yeah. Lies and just can't say, can't talk about this stuff with a straight face. Maybe that's where we've got to when it comes to Super Rugby. Because I can't help but think they're sat there thinking, guys, really, we need to come down to four teams. We can't do this. This is crazy. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the uh, there'll be a lot of one-year contracts offered, or if they're two-year contracts offered for players going to the force, they're uh, back-end heavy, um, and uh, they might not last the distance. Um, look, let's move on to our last burning question. It is about South African rugby because the Wallabies are off there to play. They're over there already in Pretoria, and the question is, what's the key performance for the Wallabies to stake the win there. We have not won in Pretoria. Six times we've gone there, six times we've lost. Um, uh, can this be a historic victory? Hugh, what are we going to need to do to uh, take that test out? Well, my point actually got taken by Jeremy Paul, the buddy burglar, um, <laughs> just like the Western Sydney Rams, burgling the Queensland country we win on the weekend. He's, st- he's come in late and stolen my point. I mean, it's physicality. It's, it, 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 that's the way you beat the Springboks. It's, you go hustle and you've got to give it to it up, give it to them up front, and it's going to be fascinating to see what side the box play because you know they've they've in this year kind of been trapped in this in this no man's land of working out what style they want to play and whether they're trying to have one foot in the, in the camp of of some big physical forwards like Eben Etzebeth and Peter Steph Detroit um, and Ludijega and those sort of guys, but then they've been trying to play this really, you know, light, fast game with with a backline, the guys like Elton Yanchis and and Faf de Klerk and and even a pretty lightweight back row too, guys. You know, your your Warren Whiteleys and, and co um, uh, uh, are sort of are playing as well. So you know, and, and it's failed for them. It's failed miserably. So are they going to go back to that classic South African style? Pick Mornay staying at ten, up and unders galore, and 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 put in some really big hard running forwards, or are they going to stick to this style that's really um you know hasn't worked for them at all 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 season? So I'm hoping they play try and play fast and loose against us because I feel like we can we can play that game and we can play that game better than they can. So uh, ultimately, it all comes down to that forward battle, and that's that's where the Wallabies have have struggled this year. Year. The last two weeks, we've last two games, we've seen better performances, and guys like Adam Coleman and or whoever it is that Checker decides to pick in the second row um, this week. Um, and you know, without David Perkock, it's going to be a challenge. But hopefully, Scotty Fardy and Sean McMahon can come in and, and, and fill the holes and um, get a, a big performance out of Steve Moore because um, we've, I've said this a few times this year, but um, he's he's due one. Mm. Well, yeah, and, and, and that might flow under your point, Matt, that one of the big aspects that you think we need to uh, focus on for the win? Yeah, mate, so um, look, you're at altitude, right? And no matter how fit you think you are, if it's not in the blood, it's 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 not there. And I, I think everybody who visits um, at altitude really suffers um, towards the back end of the game. And I think it's not going to be any different uh, for us. So I think in order to just survive, you, you can't just play that sort of checkerboard where you kind of run everything out of your own 22. I think we're, one of the places that we had got better, I think, is in our kicking, in our tactical kicking, um, at least in, in, you know, exiting our half, um, which I think is really, really important. So, I mean, I would hope to see some better um, or, you know, repeat of some of that good 
you know, touch finder type kicking from Genia, who had a superb game in Brisbane. I hope he can um, do that again on on the weekend. Um, Quaid uh, does have a good boot on him. Um, the guy who we know who's got a good boot, um, but I just don't think we've been seeing it, is Dane Hale at Petty. Um, mm. he's, he, 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 you know, we know we've, he's got the range, but some of the direction of, of that of his pressure relieving kicks were just awful um, in the last test or so. So, you know, it'd be good to see him. Maybe it's playing from the wing. He doesn't like it so much. I'm not so sure. Uh, Reese Hodge has got a hell of a boot on him. We know that. And, um, and actually maybe from the tee um, that might come into play at, at altitude, but yeah, I think that, that that kicking part of the game where, you know, we can hopefully get a few points on the board and then look to sit back and, you know, just, direct traffic a little bit more, make sure we play in the right parts of the field so that we're not trying to run for 80 minutes because I think we'll blow up that way. Um, and even if we get out to, a, you know, to, to, to a few points ahead, I think they'll come back. It looks like Lambie is... Um, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, it looks like he might be, gonna be getting the nod. I didn't realise it, but um, I, I read that he, he's been out with migraines for like a month. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Since the big hit versus Ireland, but he's been having bad migraines, which is scary stuff. That is indeed, yeah. Because um, anyway, you, you hope that's nothing to do with concussion or anything. But um, uh, yeah, so if he's back in, look, you know, he's got one hell of a boot on him, and I would think we're going to be back to more kind of standard Bok fare, um, you know, drop goals, long range penalties, and um, and high balls. So uh, you know, I think the Bok will play in their more traditional place and you know I think we're going to have to play a bit of fire with fire there um, if that's going to be the case the only thing that that does put under pressure then um, if we're going to be you know playing a bit more territory is then going to be the line out and um, hopefully we can continue to see you know, um, you know some improvement there you know with more and the second rows or, or the, or the line out options because you know we'll need that there's no point exiting or getting pressured pressuring penalties um to then lose your own ball in the line out so yeah they're going to be for me it's going to be it's going to be that sort of non-traditional checker play which is um sort of the, the, the tactical kicking yeah interesting okay well I, i'm still hopeful for a bit of the the ball and hand stuff and and so my big f- focus is this clinical finishing i think we've left far too many points on the field so m- far this this year even going back to the english series um but particularly the last couple of weeks and however good we've looked uh in this last couple of weeks with the ball in hand versus the box in particular and then even versus argentina um you know, we just haven't been able to finish a lot of our options. And, and against South Africa, over there in the Republic, particularly in Pretoria, where every point will count, we just we just can't afford for any of those um, poor final reads or poor finishes. And Karevi's, you know, tearing up the opposition, but he is just not getting that ball across the line for us or, or getting it outside to his outside man. So that's something I'm particularly wary about, ensuring that, that you know, that the... Final percenters there are, are clicking, and we're we're getting that uh, getting that ball to hand as much as we need. The support plays there, and we're we're finishing our opportunities. Um, and the other one is kicking is is, is that point, isn't it? Foley, assuming Foley's going to be taking most of the shots at goal, we need we need every point. And I'll be fascinated, even Hodge, you know, how far he can kick him, what what sort of chance he'll get to uh, to show his distance come um, come come Saturday night, Sunday morning. So uh, a couple of Critical ones, all about points. I mean, that, it's pretty basic stuff, but in the end, you got to have the points. Indeed. But um, I mean, how are you? How are we feeling about it, guys? Are we, you know, I think obviously this Bocked team has um, has had a pretty tough time of it. But um, you know, are they going to sort of turn around in cornered mode at home and and really fight their way out? It's hard to think. It's not. Gonna, they're not going to put up a good fight this weekend. I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, that's the thing. I keep thinking they. I mean, they were terrible in Brisbane. I mean, they were really shapeless and and without any sort of uh, direction to them. And it'll be a massive turnaround for them to do that. But this is what it's all about: playing at home, particularly in a place in a place like Pretoria, where they'll they'll feel so comfortable. Um, yeah, we haven't won there. That blew my mind. I was going back thinking we might have won there back in the you know the late 90s, early 2000s, but we haven't won there. And there's got to be something to that. And we heard Jeremy's thoughts on that. So the, the challenge is there. If, God, if we, we pull that off, it's, a, it's an amazing victory and a, a full credit to the team. So it's, oh, it's all against us. Um, I'm hopeful, but it, reality check maybe. Yeah, well, we could do with a feather in the cap after the, the season that we've had so far, uh, leading, you know, up until the, you know, the last... Well, well it's funny, though. If we win, if we win in Pretoria for the first time, 
it kind of recasts our season again it every does. week, yeah. you know. And if we lose it, I, I, look, we lose in South Africa at altitude, we lose again. It's not, you know, I, in a sense, they have nothing to lose this week, you know. And it's, mm. uh, unless they, you know, get, come out and get pummeled again by 40. But it, 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 you know, I think everyone's kind of expects a loss. South Africa in South Africa, it's, it's pretty tough. But if they come out and win, um, well, all of a sudden, don't we just again we look at the season? Well, maybe we weren't so terrible after all. And on that, I leave you with my lie that I tell myself: Donald Trump style about Australian <laughs> rugby. Maybe we aren't so bad rugby. after all. Yes. <laughs> That's a very appropriate way of finishing us off there, Hugh. I appreciate that. Um, look, let's quickly wrap up uh, the show there, but let's have a look at this weekend's games. Obviously, the Wallabies take on the Springboks. I think it's uh, early Sunday morning, so uh, I think Aussie time, it's about 1 o'clock in the morning. Sorry, East Coast Elite time, 1 o'clock in the morning, uh, live from Loftus First Field. Um, the NRC, so with two rounds to go. So on Saturday afternoon up in Toowoomba there, we've got Queensland Country hosting New South Wales Country. Uh, which will be a cracker. The Sydney Rays will host the UC Vikings, the Canberra Vikings. Um, so uh, Sydney Rays, that's at Pitwater Park at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Sunday afternoon, Perth Spirit are hosting Brisbane City at uh, 2 o'clock. I believe that's local time there. Um, and then the Melbourne Rising are hosting the West Sydney Rams down at uh, Harlequin's Oval. And again, that's a horror and little shield challenge. So uh, two rounds to go in the NRC, very tight at the top there. Eagles at the top, but uh, still plenty to play for in that top five there, which is fantastic. And who knows, maybe Jeremy Paul's Rams outfit can uh, steal a bit of silverware. Uh, Matt, Hugh, thanks a lot for your time. You're looking forward to uh, getting back into uh, getting up early to watch another Wallaby uh, South Africa encounter. Yes, mate. Although I'm going to be, um, I'm going to still be on the east coast, on the elite east coast, but I'm going to be up at uh, Port Douglas on holiday. Oh, so, of course uh, you are. And I think doesn't uh, don't the clocks go forward or back or whatever they do daylight saving? Is it this weekend? Well, they don't do anything. Yeah, this weekend. Well, they don't do anything when I'm in Port Douglas. So, um, whatever, no, not at all. Yeah, mate. yeah, that's right. Whatever that means. But yeah, so I'm going to. I'm looking forward to being up with my um, Queensland brethren up there talking about Craig Cooper <laughs> and, his, uh, and his discipline issues. <laughs> Don't let on you're a Foley fan, mate, up there. That's, that's, that'll, uh, you'll be run out of town. <laughs> Indeed. All right. Well, enjoy the weekend's rugby, boys, and uh, look forward to chatting next week about, hopefully, an historic Wallaby victory. As to everyone else, uh, thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you next week.